Welcome to the Nourish Babes podcast. We're your hosts, Bella and Madison, your go-to besties for all things women's wellness. We're here to help you balance your hormones, heal your gut, learn how to eat, exercise, sleep, manage your stress, break free of diet culture, and get confident as fuck about your own health and healing. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this week's Nourish Babes podcast episode. In this episode, we're talking all about sugar and carbohydrates. So in our strange modern nutrition world, sugar and carbohydrates are literally one of the most feared foods. You hear things like sugar makes you fat, sugar causes diabetes, sugar feeds cancer, sugar is wrecking your gut and your hormones, and so on. But the truth is, is that sugar and carbohydrates are largely misunderstood. So in this episode, we're going to discuss the purpose of sugar in the body, the problems with going on these low carb diets, the difference between adulterated carbs and optimal carbs, the amazing benefits of simple sugars, why we don't need to be curbing our sugar cravings, how many carbs you should aim for per day, how to reintroduce carbs if you're coming from one of those low carb diets, the problems with fake sugars, and so much more. So without further ado, let's get into it. So often we think that carbs are the issue and carbs are the reason that we're developing hormone imbalances, insulin resistance, weight gain, gut issues, and other health issues. But instead of blaming sugar, the real issue in our modern day is so many of these modern day foods and lifestyle choices, such as adulterated carbs, which we will discuss soon high stress hormones, vegetable oil consumption, synthetic additives, and fake sugars. There's so much more to the picture than just saying sugar is bad and sugar causes all these issues. These modern foods damage and clog our cells, making it really difficult to utilize carbs properly. So that doesn't mean that carbs cause the issue and to just completely avoid carbs to solve the issue. In fact, avoiding carbohydrates will make the problem worse, not better. So in this episode, when we say sugar, we're referring to the simple structure of sugar. So things like glucose, sucrose, fructose, lactose, galactose, which are found in table sugar, but also whole food forms. Things like fruit, honey, maple syrup, and dairy products. So what even is the purpose of sugar and carbohydrates within the body? Well, the truth is, is that carbohydrates are the body's main and preferred source of fuel and energy. So without eating carbohydrates, your body actually has to go through an extremely stressful and wasteful process to create energy from your body stores, especially your muscles. And we'll talk a little bit more about this in a moment. Um, Carbohydrates also produce body heat, which increases the metabolism. They help to support thyroid function. Uh, They... They produce CO2, the byproduct, one of the byproducts of carbohydrate metabolism is CO2, which is really great for reducing oxidative stress compared to fats and proteins. It's a much more efficient way of obtaining energy. It's important for brain function and so much more. So let's look at what happens when you go on these low carb diets. Well, when you don't eat enough carbohydrates or go on some of these diets, our body senses that it's literally running out of energy, and this sends a signal to increase stress hormones and in order to obtain energy from our body. That's why the stress hormones are being released. 
This increase in stress hormones stimulates a process called gluconeogenesis, which literally breaks down our tissues and our skeletal muscles in order to break down protein and sometimes fat and turn it into carbs to fuel our body and our cells. Again, this is extremely stressful process for our body, and you're literally breaking down your body in order to fuel yourself. You're literally eating yourself alive, which we don't want to do. We don't want to be broke, breaking down protein for energy. Protein is there for structure, not for creating energy. So again, these low carb diets might feel good for a certain amount of time because living off stress hormones feels really good as we've discussed in our stress hormone podcast. But after a certain amount of time of avoiding sugar, you're definitely going to start noticing more symptoms start to occur. Symptoms like high stress hormones, of course, poor thyroid function, sluggish livers, low progesterone, PMS, and painful periods, anxiety, depression, poor detoxification, and so many others. And just another mention on that. So with low carb diets, I know a lot of people will say like your body doesn't need carbs to survive. And it's like, yes, that's true, right? You can make carbohydrates from proteins and fats, but that doesn't mean that that's ideal, right? I mean, yes, we can do that. And your body has that as a protective mechanism if you don't have access to carbs, but that again is not ideal and not what we're wanting to do to have optimal health. So we also need to clarify the difference between a lot of different types of carbohydrates. I think people just make generalized statements. Carbs are bad. And there's so many different things to consider when we're talking about carbohydrates. So we've kind of put them in two categories, adulterated carbs or processed carbs or modified carbs versus optimal or nourishing or whole food carbohydrates. So when most people blame carbs for their symptoms, they are often just blaming poor quality food. So we need to stop demonizing the term carbohydrates and carbs and instead start reevaluating the types of carbs that we're eating. So when we blame carbs for our health issues, we're often discussing adulterated or highly refined and processed carbs. So things like chips, candy, cookies, cakes, sodas, things that contain not only carbohydrates, but things like vegetable oils and tons of different additives. So I think we can all agree that those types of carbohydrate sources are not good sources of carbohydrates. They contain many additional ingredients such as seed oils, corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup, which is very different than sugar, synthetic vitamins and minerals, food dyes, along with lots of different additives and preservatives. So instead of just blaming these, blaming the carbs, let's start blaming the other things that are coming with the carbohydrates. So when we talk about including carbs and sugar into your diet, we're not, we're talking about optimal carbs. So these include things like fruit and fruit juices, root veggies, fruiting vegetables, dairy, honey, maple syrup, and even things like sourdough and rice. So besides the sourdough and rice that Maddie mentioned, what do all of these foods have in common? Well, they break down into simple sugars. So what are simple sugars? simple sugars are either one to two molecules. They're called mono or disaccharides. So monosaccharides consist of, again, just one molecule. This is one molecule of glucose, fructose, or galactose. Examples of these are fruit and honey. Then we have disaccharides, which 
consists of sucrose, maltose, and lactose. Examples of these include maple syrup or table sugar, and lactose is obviously in dairy. So our body actually thrives on simple sugars and they hold so many different benefits. So let's talk about them. So first and foremost is that simple sugars provide quick and easy to digest energy. And so that's really important for hormone balance, but also gut health, right? You Mm -hmm. want to minimize the amount of stress and energy your need, your body needs to put in to digest certain foods. And so Simple sugars are amazing for good digestion. So they're simple molecules. They're relatively void of anti-nutrients. So they give us really quick, easy to digest energy, which we can use immediately and store for later. Simple sugars also improve mood, lower risk for anxiety and depression as your body, liver, and brain all have huge energy needs. And we must fuel ourselves with enough simple sugars to feel happy and content. And there's a reason why when you're feeling sad or you're feeling anxious, you likely Mm -hmm. crave foods that are rich in simple sugars. So besides table sugar, most of these foods, especially fruit, dairy, and root veggies are really high in vitamins and minerals. So not only are you getting the simple sugars and carbohydrates that are going to fuel all those different processes, you're getting a lot of vitamins and minerals. Back to the improving mood. It reminds me of when you went carnivore and you felt good for a while until you started developing anxiety. And it was simply because your body was running off stress hormones, not good sources of carbohydrates. Yes. Goes to show that yes, you can survive without carbs, but If you're Mm -hmm. trying to thrive and balance your mood and hormones and energy and have amazing gut health, you need these simple carbohydrates. Absolutely. So some other benefits of simple sugars, probably one of the greatest benefits is lowering the stress response like we're talking about. Um, Like Maddie just mentioned, if you're ever stressed out, you are likely craving sugar. And it's because stress increases your energy needs. Cortisol and adrenaline are both super energy sucking hormones and your body is so smart and intelligent. So it'll literally crave that sugar in order to supply your body with the energy that it needs. So when these glycogen stores are low, glycogen is basically a stored form of sugar that's stored in our muscles and in our liver. When glycogen stores are low, stress hormones have to rise. And the best way to lower those stress hormones is to simply eat some simple sugars. Another huge benefit of simple sugars is that our liver function loves sugar and thrives off sugar. So our liver is extremely energy dependent and meaning that it needs tons of energy and fuel to perform its 500 plus processes. So when we're not obtaining enough carbohydrates and we don't have enough stored sugar in our livers, it can't perform adequately and detoxification becomes less efficient and all of those processes become hindered. This is especially important for those with estrogen dominance because if your liver doesn't have enough fuel, it cannot eliminate that excess estrogen properly. The liver also has plenty of energy needs in order to convert thyroid hormone to its active form. So when we supply our liver with enough energy, we can increase our thyroid active thyroid hormone function and therefore increase our metabolism and include and improve so many of our symptoms that are related to poor thyroid function. You not only need energy when you're awake 
But another reason why simple sugars are so important is because you still need energy when you're sleeping. You're not dead. You're still alive. So since sugar is so anti-stress, it actually also helps us fall asleep easier and actually stay asleep. So our livers actually ramp up at night. And so if you're not eating enough sugar throughout the day or right before bed, your liver can run out of glycogen at night. And then that in turn increases our stress hormones. And those stress hormones are literally what wakes you up. And this is why we advocate so hard for a bedtime snack, because if your last meal was around seven o'clock at night, and then you go to sleep around 10 from seven o'clock till around 3 a.m. when a lot of people are waking up, that's about eight hours and our liver can only hold on to sugar or glycogen for around eight hours until it runs out, stress hormones rise, and that's why we wake up. So should you really be so focused on curbing your sugar cravings? Absolutely not. I get so annoyed with all of the propaganda in social media about getting rid of your sugar cravings in 30 days or beat your (laughs) sugar addiction. And it's like, no, you're not addicted to sugar. You don't need to get rid of your cravings. There's yeah, so much health advice out there about curbing your sugar cravings or what to do for your sugar cravings or ways to cut sugar out of your life. But the truth is your sugar cravings are your body's way of communicating with you. Your body's so intelligent. It's not only common, but normal and essential to have sugar cravings. So you can often crave sugar when you're stressed during your luteal phase, when you're under eating, if your diet lacks protein, when your blood sugar is low, when you're in need of comfort and support and mood stability. And really just, yeah, your body is so intelligent. It's giving you this cue when you crave sugar that your body needs some simple, easy to digest carbohydrate sources so that you can handle whatever you're going through. So sugar, carbs, fuel, whatever you want to call it, is an essential component to make energy so you can simply function and produce and thrive. So you need sugar to breathe, to move, for your liver to detoxify, for your thyroid function, for your brain to function, for your ovaries to ovulate and reproduce, and numerous other functions. It's essential and trying to get rid of your cravings is just doing your body a disservice. Absolutely. We need to change our framing into viewing our our sugar cravings as some kind of curse or something bad that's happening to us, but rather just a way that your body's trying to communicate with you and tell you something. So if you are craving sugar, the best option is to opt for optimal sugars and better sugars like the ones we mentioned, like fruit, honey, maple syrup, squashes, root vegetables, dairy, and those whole food quality sugars, not things like cookies, cakes, and pastries. We're not saying that those things are bad at all, but usually when we're craving sugar, we head to those things and don't reach for things like fruit and root vegetables. It's also essential to know that sugar should always, always, always be paired with proteins. We say this probably every podcast episode, but again, proteins have a blood sugar lowering effect while carbs, especially those starchy carbs actually raise our blood sugar. So this is why we continue to advocate for eating both carbohydrates and proteins together at every single meal and snack. So how many carbohydrates should we be eating per day? Well, we try to aim between 150 to 250 carbs spaced out through the day. Again, 
your body, you know, your body best and what your, your needs are. Also, we'll talk about reintroducing carbs. And if you're coming from a low carb diet, you definitely don't want to jump to 250 carbs per day. Um, but work with your body, work with your cravings and see how much you need. Again, we want to prioritize those simple sugars. Those are easiest to digest and best for our gut and hormones. And again, evaluate how much you need through your cravings. If you, I see this a lot after a meal, if it's super protein heavy and we didn't eat enough fruit or didn't consume dairy with it or root vegetables, we often crave sugar after a meal. And that's just a normal biological response telling your body like, Hey, I need more carbohydrates than this. This wasn't enough. I'm craving sugar. So it's fine to totally lean into that. Also, like Maddie mentioned, you likely need more carbohydrates during your luteal phase, our metabolism. That's the second half of your cycle, right before your period, your metabolism ramps up due to higher progesterone in that phase. So it's perfectly okay to crave more carbs, crave more sugar during that phase and leaning into it. So again, aim for 150 to 250 grams per day. And for us, that looks like 40 to 50 grams per meal and around 20 to 25 grams per snack. And I love that you said like lean into it because I was always the person who up until a couple years ago, well, even like a year ago, I mean, I would eat, I would eat like carb sources, but never sugar, never like plain white table sugar or even maple syrup or honey. I would always use artificial sugars. And I, once I started eating actual good sources of sugar and having a little bit of honey and maple syrup, my cravings were Mm. so minimized. And I don't really even, I mean, if I have a craving to me, it's not like this intense bad thing. I'm like, Oh, I just need more carbs. I need more fuel. And I listen to that. And it's just like your cravings will normalize. Absolutely. So if you're the type of person who maybe has been eliminating carbohydrates or really restricting certain types of carbs in your diet, there's definitely a way to go about reintroducing them. So like Bella said, you don't just want to jump in and start eating 200 grams of carbs per day. If you're used to eating 25 grams of carbs per day, if you're doing something like keto or carnivore. So The first thing to do is to start with, like we said, the simple sugar. So you really want to start with things like honey, maple syrup, fruit juice, um, and then kind of ease into more whole fruit, doing things like squashes, root veggies, dairy, then kind of ease into more, your more starchy carbohydrates because those can be a little bit harder to digest. So things like potatoes, rice, bread, some of those starchier carbs. And when you're reintroducing starchy carbs, it's a really good idea to pair them with simple sugars as the simple sugars, especially fructose will help that glucose get into the cell better. So pairing things like sourdough with honey or rice with fruit or potatoes and dairy, those that combo of the two will help you digest them more efficiently. And of course, go slow. So if you again are coming from like a really low carb, really restrictive background, you don't want to just immediately start eating 200 grams per day. Your blood sugar might feel all over the place. You might feel fatigued or really anxious and you have to ease into it. So you can just start slow, even adding, you know, 10 grams here, there, just slowly increasing your serving size of things until you get to a place where you're feeling pretty stable and consistent. And of course, always again, balancing it with 
a protein source will be helpful. Absolutely. Um, I want to briefly touch on starchy carbs and how they can actually, if you can tolerate them well, they're actually really supportive if you're struggling with PMS. So again, if you can tolerate them well, they're a great addition. There's a doctor, Dr. Dr. Katharina Dalton. She was a pioneer in PMS research, and she came up with the three-hour starch diet because she discovered that low progesterone was a huge reason why women struggled with PMS symptoms. So if we go a long time without eating, then our blood sugar will obviously drop. And then we know that stress hormones have to rise to compensate. And when stress hormones are high, that literally blocks the utilization of progesterone and progesterone can no longer bind to the cell and we can't reap the amazing benefits of progesterone. So again, if we go a long time without eating, stress hormones rise, progesterone can't be utilized, and PMS symptoms start to occur. So she discovered that since starches are really long chains of glucose, they actually take a long time to digest and help prevent that sudden drop in blood sugar, therefore prevent stress hormones from rising and keep your progesterone strong. So again, this should be taken into context if you can tolerate starch as well. And if you're struggling with PMS, this can definitely be a helpful addition to your wellness diet. Now we want to switch gears a little bit and talk about fake sugars, which are so popular in our modern era, modern nutrition world. So they're also known as artificial sweeteners or sugar alcohols. Some examples of fake sugars are saccharin found in sweet and low, aspartame found in diet sodas, um, a sulfame, I can't even say this one. A sulfame potassium. Yes, yeah. found in juice and yogurt, sucralose found in ketchup and yogurt. And then there are the sugar alcohols like xylitol, stevia, erythritol, sorbitol, mannitol, often promoted as great, amazing sugar replacements. These are these types of sugars are often found in diet foods, things that are labeled light or zero calorie or less sugar. Um, but there's a huge problem with these fake substances that actually trick our body, which Maddie's going to talk about. So it's crazy. When you eat any of these sugars, your body is so intelligent. It tastes that sweet taste. And it's going to have a hormonal response as if you were eating sugar. So when we eat any of these sugars, your body thinks it's ingesting sugar, but it's obviously getting something alternative. So a lot of these products are zero calorie, zero carb. And so because your body believes that it's eating sugar, your insulin will rise, right? To move the sugar out of the bloodstream and into the cell. And the problem is there's no actual sugar in your cells <laughs> or in your bloodstream. And so this can result in um, your insulin will stay high. And when insulin is high, your blood sugar will drop. And so it's taking excess sugar that's not in your bloodstream out of your bloodstream and into your cells. So you can often get low blood sugar, which can present as lots of different things, fatigue, dizziness, irritability, anxious, yeah, terrible symptoms and increases the stress on your body. So when your blood sugar drops, your body has to increase cortisol and adrenaline to raise your blood sugar back up. So now you've had to use stress hormones. Your stress hormones are high. You have no actual energy because you didn't consume any kind of carbohydrates for your body to use. 
And ultimately, long term, this can create so many problems of high stress hormones, poor thyroid function, and tons of issues with blood sugar balance. So just as an example, I had a coworker who would always drink these alternative sweetened energy drinks. And so he would drink them and an hour or two after he was like shaky and irritable and had cravings for sugar. And I was like, what's going on? Like, what are you drinking? And he showed me his drink. Of course, it probably had something to do with caffeine, but there was so many, there was, I think like three different types of artificial sugar in this energy drink. And I was like, yeah, your blood sugar mm-hmm. is bumping up, right? Cause you're getting, getting all mm-hmm. this energy. And then it's, you're, you're having a blood sugar drop like an hour after you're drinking this thing and you have no energy cause you didn't actually consume real sugar for your body to use for energy. So now you feel like shit because your your blood sugar is low and you're having all these cravings. So it's just vicious cycle. And again, it's like you're tricking your body into thinking that it's getting sugar and it's actually not. So if you want more info about this, there's an, a technical phrase. It's called the cephalic phase insulin response. And it goes, that's what this is called. When your body literally tastes that sweet taste, it has a hormonal response to the sweet taste because it thinks you're getting sugar but there's no actual sugar. So that's a a term that you can look up if you want more information. And so as you can see, that's it's artificial sugars are a mess for hormone imbalances, but they're also really, really terrible for gut issues. So of course, if your hormones are out of whack and your stress hormones are all over the place, this is stressful for your digestive system because when your body's under stress, it's not going to digest well. Stress is a killer of good digestion. And in particular, fake sugars can alter your bacterial balance. So if you look at some foods that are especially sweetened with things like your sugar alcohols, they will actually say on the container, on the bag, like this can contribute to bloating, gas, and diarrhea in, oh my if you consume them in excess. So it's well known. Like these artificial sugars in particular, things like sorbitol, erythritol, xylitol, mannitol, those contribute to digestive distress. And of course, there's lots of problems with the other ones too. Things like aspartame, asulfan, potassium, sucralose, all of these are really irritating to the gut and can contribute to altered bacterial balance and actually feed bad bacteria in your gut, which can lead to all sorts of weird bacterial imbalances and weird overgrowths. So as you can see, like there's no need to go through all of this because you want something sweet. Like you can actually just eat the real thing yes. and give your body the things that it needs to needs to digest uh, real sugar and real carbohydrates and stop tricking your body into thinking that um, you're getting sugar when you're actually not. And I do want to mention too, like stevia. Stevia mm. and... Um, what's the other one that people use? Mm. Monk fruits. Mm, yeah. People always ask me about those because they're like, oh, this is a healthier alternative. It still does the same thing. Yeah. Even stevia is like 400 times sweeter yep. than sugar. And so even with stevia, you're getting that sweet taste in your mouth, but you're not giving your body carbohydrates or sugar. And so it's going to have the same effect, even though it's quote unquote healthier, even though it's more natural, like those things are still highly concentrated. I know people who use like stevia leaf powder and teas. I think that's fine because it's mm-hmm. a whole leaf, but yeah. when you're buying it from the store, it is 
it is highly concentrated. So even healthier alternatives like stevia and erythritol or um, monk fruit do this exact same thing in your body. It's so weird that we like think our brains are smarter than our like biological responses. Like why do we in our modern nutrition world, like opt for these weird, funky alternatives. Like, let's just get back to the basics. What's wrong with fruit and like honey, like honey's seriously an amazingly nutrient dense food. I don't get why we're trying to alter our food in all these weird, bizarre ways. And I think it has a lot to do with the modern food system, but I just don't get it. If we just ate simple nourishing whole mostly whole foods from mother earth like we wouldn't have so many issues okay i also want to quickly talk about the difference between table sugar and high fructose corn syrup or corn syrup because so many people out there blame sugar like this food had so much sugar and it caused me this issue and blah 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 but when you actually read the ingredients nine times out of ten it's often high fructose corn syrup it's almost never just plain sugar or table sugar so let's talk about the differences first table sugar again it's just a simple sugar called sucrose. Sucrose is made of a two chain molecule, one one molecule of glucose and one molecule of fructose. Uh, Table sugar is quickly absorbed into the body, which means it's much likely stored as glycogen or liver energy and stored as muscle glycogen, which can be used for energy for our muscles. So again, when we think of these packaged foods that are filled with table sugar, but they're more often than not actually filled with corn syrup, which is a completely different product. So in my opinion, the most common use of table sugar is in home baking and baked goods. And the purpose, and again, we want to mention that the purpose of eating table sugar is strictly for its energy. Like we absolutely understand there are no, there are no vitamins, there are no minerals in this. We're not obtaining this as a health food, but in the sense of just obtaining some energy, it's not necessarily the worst choice ever. So then on the other hand, we have good old corn syrup, which is actually extracted from GMO corn starch. So it actually acts way more like a concentrated starch in the body, not necessarily a simple sugar. Uh, There was one study conducted that showed that corn syrup was four to five times had four to five times more carbohydrate or starchy content in that high fructose corn syrup than was actually labeled or claimed on the food label. So I don't know how this is legal, but they're totally tricking you. And there's, so in soda, it might say that there's 20 grams of sugar when in reality, it's almost like there's a hundred grams of sugar in there. So it's a completely different substance than just regular table sugar. Since corn syrup acts more like a starch, it's really slowly absorbed in the body, even way more so so than starchy foods like potatoes and rice. And because it acts like a starch and takes a really long time to digest, it has a much higher insulin response. And because it contains so much more carbohydrates in it, it has a huge insulin response. And therefore, because it's so large, it's actually more likely to be stored in fat tissue, not necessarily liver glycogen or muscle glycogen. So the corn syrup 
in the sugar that's often in processed and manufactured foods is not actually sugar. It's some weird modern, again, something that's like tricking our body. So let's stop blaming so-called quote sugar when we actually should blaming this highly processed corn syrup because the two are not even complete, not even remotely comparable. There are two completely different substances. So while we obviously think it's best to obtain our sugar from natural sources like fruit, honey, root vegetables, we also should stop blaming sugar and instead start blaming this highly manufactured corn syrup. Like for example, I have some desserts in my in my course and in the meal plan in my course that uses just good old plain table sugar, like nothing fancy. Uh, you could, if you want, you could try to use honey or maple syrup in them. You don't have to consume table sugar if you don't want to, if that doesn't align with your views. But I think that this huge fear over sugar, we need to change our wording around it and not just always blame sugar, but rather blame these highly modern ultra processed manufactured foods that we have almost never eaten before in our ancestral diets. Yeah. And I think about when most people crave sugar, again, like you said, they go for things like candy and modern Mm -hmm. day sugary rich foods, which almost likely have probably high fructose corn syrup, Mm -hmm. or if they do have sugar, they probably have refined white flour. Mm -hmm. They have vegetable oils. They have preservatives. They have food dyes. All the other things, right? When people crave sugar, they don't usually just eat like a spoonful of sugar, which I think would be amazing, right? Because you're getting just straight energy and you're not getting all the other stuff that you're getting from other sugary quote unquote foods. So yeah, it's so easy to just be like, oh, it's the sugar. But then you look at all the other ingredients Mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, well, there's all these other terrible things in it. And if you haven't listened to our fat episode, go back on that because- most often, mm-hmm. so many of those quote unquote sugary foods have vegetable oils in them, which are so much more concerning than actual sugar. And I think that this whole sugar fear like makes us afraid to eat home cook- homemade cookies or like a homemade cake. Like that is a way better way of obtaining your sugar than candy from the store or all these weird modern Franken foods. I would much rather eat homemade cookies because who doesn't love homemade cookies? Exactly. Exactly. And I, like you said, I mean, obviously you want to get your food, your sugar sources from Mm -hmm. whole foods because you're getting vitamins and minerals. But like for me, even like I will use regular cane sugar in coffee sometimes. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm extra stressed or if I'm like just got done with a really intense workout, like I've been buying this soda that's it's mm. like a root beer, but it's, yes. it has really good flavors in it. And then it's sweetened with cane sugar. Yes. And it makes me feel so good afterwards because I just like burned through so much in my workout. And I like, I crave that really, really concentrated source of sugar. It's not like I'm consuming it excessively, but it's like I utilize it when I want to and when I'm stressed, or I'll do more fruit juice during certain phases of my cycle or after again, usually after working out because that like helps me feel so replenished and good. Absolutely. I know that every now and then me and RJ will go to a Mexican restaurant and get Mexican food. And oftentimes they serve real real Mexican Coke in the glass bottle. And if you look in the ingredients, it's 
real plain old sugar. And again, we're not drinking this Coke every single day, but once a month, every now and then it is so fun and so delicious. It tastes so much better Mm -hmm. than the Coke found at your local grocery store, which I always try to look for it, but they almost never have it. And it's always just normal Coke with high fructose corn syrup. So you might still be having some concerns over sugar because we get this as a huge mindset shift because Mm -hmm. everywhere you see it's like sugar is the devil. Don't ever consume it. It's causing all these different disorders and diseases and it's terrible, but we think it's something to not be feared and you should be fearful of the other things that are usually in these highly refined sugary foods. So we wanted to cover some of your concerns though, that you might have. So one of the biggest ones is doesn't sugar feed candida? So many people are concerned about bacterial Mm -hmm. overgrowth and candida. And if you look at a conventional candida diet, it is like no fruit, no sugar. You take out basically all carbohydrates, which in theory sounds great, right? If you take out these carbs, you know, candida supposedly feeds off of sugar and you're going to starve off the sugar. Well, that's not the whole picture. So candida overgrowths have so much more to do with your thyroid function, your stomach acid, your overall digestive function, your migrating motor complex, or like how fast or slow food moves through your system, your iron, iron status, your stress levels, not just the amount of sugar that you eat. So it's, again, there's so much nuance to it. It's not just like sugar feeds candida. Therefore, if I eat sugar, I'm going to have a candida overgrowth. It's not it's not that simple and cut and dry. There's so much more to the picture than just than just that. An additional note on that is I might have talked about this before. I know I talked about it in my course, but um, probably like two years ago now, I struggled with chronic yeast infections. Every single cycle right before my period, I would always get a yeast infection. And I read a whole book on candida and it was basically cut out sugar, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I tried that and I did that and like it didn't really work or it wasn't necessarily a long-term solution. Like I yeah. can't remove carbohydrates from my diet fully. Perfect. And it wasn't until I really started focusing on hormones and getting good quality carbs, pairing them with enough protein, getting enough protein. There wasn't like one thing I did to get rid of my yeast infections. It was just more start creating more well-balanced meals and nourishing my body properly, lowering the stress in my life. And that's what actually eliminated the candida in my yeast infections. Not necessarily, there was no cutting sugar that actually helped. So there's other possibilities. And now you eat sugar and don't yes, have any yeast infections. I haven't had a yeast infection in over, like two years now. And I eat plenty of sugar. Yes. Ridiculous. Yes. So another common concern is that sugar causes nutrient deficiencies. It interferes with good immune function. So the reality is that sugar in like, if we're talking about actual table sugar or cane sugar, white sugar, sugar again is pure energy. It doesn't have a lot of vitamins and minerals. The thing about sugar is that it's going to increase your metabolism because it's pure energy, Mm -hmm. which is going to increase the amount of nutrients that you burn through, right? When your metabolism is working, you're burning through more nutrients. And so that's often why if you are super depleted and you're not eating sugar within the context of a well-balanced diet, yeah, sugar can cause nutrient deficiencies because it's going to support your metabolism and going to uh, make you burn through more nutrients. 
So another one is cancer and cancer is like a big, huge thing, a bit, I mean, not going to claim I'm, I'm an expert on cancer, mm-hmm. but a lot of the cancer studies that are done in relation to cancer and sugar, they're done in Petri dishes. They're not done in like actual humans. They're done in, in these, in dishes and they essentially have cancer cells. They add sugar mm-hmm. and the cells eat the sugar. It's like, yes, of course, you know, like cancer cells feed off of sugar, but cancer cells feed off of anything. If mm-hmm. you know anyone with cancer, like they get emaciated because mm-hmm. the cancer is eating their fat, their protein, their yep. carbs, breaking down their muscle mass. So cancer can feed off of anything. It's mm-hmm. not just, again, not that simple to say like sugar feeds cancer. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, well, sugar feeds cells. So yes. Another one that is a big concern for people is like, oh, it makes me super hyperactive or it makes my kids really, really wild. And that makes sense, right? Sugar, again, is energy. And so it's going to give you energy. It's going to give your kids fuel. I know kids have great metabolisms already. Uh And so you're going to give them sugar and it's going to make them really energized and probably a little bit wild. But it's not because it's a negative thing. It's because their body is using those carbohydrates. Absolutely. And another one is headaches. So I know a lot of people who say, oh, well, I eat too much sugar. I'm getting a headache. There's so much more to headaches too. Are you balancing your sugar or carb consumption with protein? What's the context of your whole diet? Are you staying hydrated? There's just so more to the picture than just saying sugar causes headaches. So there's much more to consider with that and a lot more other things to really address and look at if you are getting headaches with sugar consumption. Another concern I also hear is fructose. Isn't fructose bad? Isn't fructose unhealthy for you? But I think so much of the misinformation around fructose being horrible for your health, it likely comes from high fructose corn syrup. Um, But real fructose from foods like fruit and honey is again, a completely different substance than highly manufactured corn syrup. So the truth is, is that our bodies actually love fructose, especially our livers. Our livers just suck up that fructose so quickly and utilize it for energy. Because again, we have, we have so many energies needs in our liver and stores it for later. Fructose also a great thing about fructose is it does not require insulin to enter the cell. So therefore you're likely to be utilizing that energy much quicker because you don't have to go through that insulin process and it can be stored for future energy. Also, another interesting note is that when you're pregnant, the placenta actually thrives off fructose. So getting tons of fruit and honey while you're pregnant will do amazing wonders for your pregnancy. So again, the fear around fructose should be directed at high fructose corn syrup, which is a completely different process molecule compared to natural fructose corn, fructose sources. And the last one we want to mention is doesn't sugar cause diabetes. And as you, I think we mentioned this a little bit in our fat section, but usually diabetes is actually caused by the vegetable oils and these vegetable oils get clogged in our cells and fill up our cells. And that actually interferes with carbohydrate utilization and carbohydrate metabolism. So it's not necessarily the sugar that's causing diabetes. It's the vegetable oils that are leading to the diabetes, which inhibits your ability to utilize sugar properly. Also, if you're pairing um, 
sugar or carbohydrates with adequate amounts of protein in context of a well-balanced diet, you're going to be much better off than just craving sugar and only eating sugar sources. Coming back to the fructose too, fructose is one of the best sugars for diabetics because again, it does not require insulin to enter the cell. So diabetics can utilize the sugar within the fructose much better. It's interesting that before insulin inject injections were invented, doctors actually used something called fructose therapy where they gave diabetics high amounts of fructose sugar to actually alleviate their diabetic symptoms. So there's much more to the story than just fructose is bad. So to summarize, let's stop demonizing carbs and sugar and really note that carbs and sugar are so essential for so many processes in the body. So instead, let's focus on quality carbohydrates and limiting highly processed fake sugars. So I hope you love this episode. I hope it's a sigh of relief for you because when Mm -hmm. I learned about all of this and started reintroducing carbs and had some sugar, it was like the biggest relief of my whole life. So hopefully this gives you some guidance and direction and makes you excited to actually enjoy some of the carbohydrate sources you may be avoiding because you think they're, you think they're going to cause hormone issues or gut issues or whatever it is. So if you have any questions, we welcome all the questions. Please feel free, feel free to reach out to us. We would love to chat with you all about any kind of questions that come up, any struggles, any additional things that concern you about sugar, carbohydrate consumption. You can follow us on Instagram. So Bella is at Nourish with Bella. I am at The Gut Goddess. And thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please like it, share it with your friends who you think would love it, review it wherever you listen. And we'll see you all next week.